This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, in Washington this week, Donald Trump got a big break on Wednesday when the Supreme Court decided that they would hear his argument or the argument of his lawyers that he cannot be prosecuted for the January the 6th insurrection because Donald Trump has argued and his lawyers have argued he cannot be indicted of a crime whilst he was president. It's a big question that looms over everything, really. And Jack Smith, the prosecutor, had sought the Supreme Court to look at this early and give a decision because he wants to prosecute Trump before the presidential election in November. What Trump wants to do is delay of course, as he does with all the indictments, and there are 91 of them that he's facing. And the Supreme Court finding is in his favour. And we're joined now from Washington by Niles Stanich. Niles is associate editor of The Hill newspaper and White House columnist for The Hill, a respected newspaper, because it is not partisan in ways that so many other media outlets in the United States are. Niles, thank you very much for joining us. The Supreme Court news is good news for the former president. Yes, I don't think there's any doubt about that. As you said in your question, Eamon, it has been the former president's tactic to try to run out the clock on all the four criminal matters that he faces. Now, just to sort of break down the timeline here a little bit, Jack Smith, back in December of last year, had wanted the Supreme Court to weigh in immediately and settle the question of whether Trump is immune from criminal prosecution. They declined to do so at that point, which then sent it to lower courts. Uh, Earlier this month, uh, a appeal court ruled against Trump, in other words, ruled that he was not immune from prosecution. And then only on Wednesday did the Supreme Court decide that they are going to hear this case They're only going to hear it in the week of April the 22nd, and they could take up until the end of June 
to deliver a final ruling. Now, they could rule quicker, but they, it would be uh, not um, unprecedented if they took to the end of June. Obviously, that sequence of events in its totality has burnt about six months off the clock uh, during an election year, and that is of vital and beneficial importance to the former president. And it does seem that most lawyers, and there are a lot of them in the United States mm. now, seem to think that Jack Smith may win and that it would be difficult on the big question to find in Trump's favour. Mm-hmm. What's your own view on that? And am I right in believing that is the prevailing view, that the idea that he could do what he did, essentially trying to adjust the result of an election mm. and deny the people's wishes, the idea that he could be defending that on the basis that he was president means mm. any sitting president could stay in office forever. Well, or could do anything else for that matter of a criminal nature so long as he or she argued that it was part of their official acts. I think that scenario is the reason why the prevailing wisdom is that Jack Smith is likely to win even in a conservative court. There was a very striking moment before one of the lower courts during arguments when a lawyer for the Trump team making this argument about immunity, was asked, okay, if a president were to tell special forces to assassinate a political opponent, under your logic, would that person be immune from prosecution? And the Trump lawyer, with minimal caveats, said, yes, they would be immune from prosecution, subject to certain conditions. It is thought that even a conservative court would balk at going along with that line of reasoning for quite obvious reasons. Yeah, so delay is, you know, a tactic that Trump uses all the time and has used throughout his long and pretty murky career in cases and indeed in terms of paying people for the work they've done for him. Mm. However, if this Supreme Court, which is biased, he's got to appoint three of the justices on the court, which gives it a majority of 6-3 in favour of conservatism. And that does kick in, doesn't it, Niall, in America? The Supreme Court has inordinate powers. It does. The Supreme Court decides some of the most uh, important, pivotal issues in American life. And, And it always has. And You know, in the 1950s and 60s, a liberal-leaning court marked up some of the huge victories uh, for the black civil rights movement, the outlawing of segregated education, the striking down of bans upon interracial marriage, things of that nature. Of course, in 1973, there was the Roe v. Wade ruling, which enshrined a constitutional right to abortion, and that, as we all know, was uh, overturned in the very recent past by the the court that, that bore Trump's imprint. So yes, the ideological complexion of the Supreme Court is of vital importance, and indeed, even if Donald Trump were to lose November's election, his influence on American life will still be felt very directly through those three justices who he nominated and who are on the court and can uh, hope to continue to serve for decades on the court. Yes, and and 
given what happened, what was announced yesterday, Niall, what's your judgment on the effect of this ruling mm. on Donald Trump's chances of actually getting into the White House and having been able to do so before this case is settled definitively? Because when the Supreme Court rules, mm. it then has to come back to the federal court in Washington and be heard. Right. So it isn't inconceivable, is it, that Donald Trump could run in the election, win the election, mm -hmm. and still have this case hanging over him, and he would be president, mm -hmm. and he could pardon himself. Is that accurate? Yes, it is. And he could also not even bother with the niceties of a pardon. Assuming he were to be inaugurated as president and either the trial had not taken place or even the trial had taken place and he had been convicted and appealed, he as president could simply instruct the Department of Justice to no longer pursue it or, or perhaps to not contest his own appeal. I mean, clearly you would be in a constitutional crisis in that situation. But Trump has, I mean, there's very little evidence that Trump would care about being in a constitutional crisis one way or another. He would uh, like to, the case to go away, and that's the main thing. Um, on the timing, Eamon, uh, we're, we're dealing with some uncertainties because, like I say, the Supreme Court could rule quicker than expected, blah, blah, blah. The most likely scenario is a Supreme Court ruling at the end of June. If that happens, and if Jack Smith prevails before the Supreme Court, it is still assumed that it could be perhaps September before the trial would start in DC for yes. the actual case. Now, in that situation, firstly, you'd be two months away from a presidential election. Secondly, Trump would surely make the argument that his rights as a candidate were being infringed by uh, him being obligated to defend himself in a criminal trial. And thirdly, who knows what other procedural hurdles he could erect, even if he had lost the Supreme Court case. So that's a long way around uh, um, answering your central question. The effects of this are very good for Donald Trump because they raise significantly the chances that no trial will be concluded before the presidential election. And it does cast a massive cloud over the Biden campaign to retain his position as president of the United States, this cloud will be there all the way through, won't it? It's highly unlikely that we'll have a trial, a result before September. And at that point, the electioneering will be you know, in full go mode. Mm. It's hard to imagine a trial of that seriousness running simultaneously with a presidential election campaign. Yes, particularly, as you say, when that presidential election campaign would be at its height, where you would be in the final sprint to election day, where you might be literally in a surreal scenario where Donald Trump is in the dock one day and on the presidential debate stage the next. That, that seems even in the world of Trump, uh, a peculiar thing or a surreal thing to imagine. Uh, we should perhaps mention just in passing, Eamon, that 
of the four criminal trials that Trump faces, the only one that seems very likely to go ahead before the election is, in fact, frankly, the least consequential one, uh, which is the one in New York pertaining to alleged falsification of business records. Yes. The underlying facts of that case being about uh, hush money payments to an adult actress, Stormy Daniels, and a former Playboy model, Karen McDougall. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, the other interesting and really big news in the United States was that the Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell, who's the Republican leader in the Senate where the Democrats have a narrow majority, has announced his decision to step down from his leadership role. He did that on Wednesday. And in a piece you wrote for The Hill, you described his decision as both shocking and unsurprising. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Sure, sure. The The thing that was shocking about it was the fact that Mitch McConnell has been such a fixture in Washington for so long. McConnell was first elected to the Senate in 1984. Uh, That was the year when Ronald Reagan won re-election to his second term, a a different, a whole different era of American politics. McConnell is also the longest serving Senate leader of either party of all time. He first became the Republican Senate leader in 2007. So the shocking thing is he, come November, is going to no longer be in frontline politics. The unsurprising thing has 
two strands uh, briefly, his age, he is 82 years old, and the other one being his uh, well-known animus uh, toward Donald Trump, which is returned in full by the former president. We've talked before yes. about the tensions between the two of them, Yemen. Uh, and so those are the things that were clearly weighing uh, to push McConnell toward the exit. Now, the best gift that Trump could have given McConnell, or indeed McConnell could have given Trump and other conservative Americans, are the three slots in the Supreme Court. Mm. Because McConnell refused and stymied and stopped effectively Barack Obama, President Obama, from making a Supreme Court appointment on the grounds that Obama was in his last year in office. Mm-hmm. And he, he blocked it, leaving the gap there for Trump to go to work for McConnell and, and conservatives when he w- got into the White House, and he duly did. Mm-hmm. And that was a big historic sort of moment, wasn't it? It's turning out to be. Mm-hmm. McConnell, though, as you said, he disliked intensely, as many who know him do, Donald Trump and everything Trump stood for. Mm-hmm. He understood the significance of a 6-3 majority for what we might call conservative-leaning justices on the Supreme Court, and he's been borne out. There was another factor there. I'd like you to ask you about it. There was a, a woman who was extremely elderly, whose name escapes me right now. She hung on and hung on. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yes. so you're talking now, thinking of. She mm-hmm. was talked of in glowing terms by what we might call progressives mm-hmm. for holding on and holding on. In fact, she didn't do the progressive movement or anybody much good at all, did she? I, I always thought it was an extremely selfish thing to do because mm. had she retired, mm-hmm. Obama would have been able to appoint his idea of a justice and balance up the court. Yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg held on up until her death uh, at the age of 87 in 2020. Um, she had been approached either in, I think, 2015 or 2016 by people close to Obama to sort of as graciously as they could ask her, would she consider stepping aside? Because they rightly realized that Hillary Clinton's victory in the 2016 election was far from assured. Uh, Ginsburg rebuffed those efforts, obviously, and Uh, She later died in the waning months of the Trump presidency. Trump then nominated Amy Coney Barrett, an extremely conservative jurist. Uh, Mitch McConnell raised none of the objections to uh, Justice Coney Barrett that he had done in similar circumstances to Merrick Garland four years before, and that secured the 6-3 majority. Just briefly, Eamon, to circle back to McConnell, like, McConnell did detest and does detest Trump. We don't want to romanticize McConnell. I mean, McConnell's a a fairly ruthless, wily uh, power broker himself. Had he permitted those hearings to Merrick Garland in 2016, then clearly that would have filled one seat on the court that was subsequently filled by a conservative. So even if Trump had got in, he would have only been able to appoint yes. two justices and you would have a 5-4 conservative majority rather than a 6-3 conservative majority, something that's obviously of great importance on a whole range of issues. 
Yes, and before the Donald Trump saga mm-hmm. has ended, however it ends, this failure to win the right to a Supreme Court appointee will have a place in history, won't it? Because this Supreme Court will be faced with questions about the presidency and its powers that have never been asked really before. Right. No, that's right. I mean, and and the fact that there is that sizable conservative majority obviously has... uh, has a real impact in terms of not just the outcome of cases, but even in the what we were talking about a moment ago, the Trump immunity argument. The Supreme Court could simply have declined to hear that case, which would have meant the yes. case of the lower course would have stood, which would have meant Trump would face a trial likely before the election. Yes. Merely by agreeing to hear that case, yeah. the Supreme Court has uh, greatly increased the chances of no trial taking place before the election. Okay, now to a different element in the story of arguably the most important election the United States has ever had. I, I'll ask your opinion on that in a moment. Mm. There is the question of Joe Biden's troubles, President Biden's troubles, as they relate to the Israeli-Hamas war, we should call it, in Gaza. This week, Biden said, whilst eating an ice cream and looking not too presidential, that he thought by this coming Monday there would be a solution or some kind of ceasefire, not a solution, but some kind of ceasefire, to give a respite to the people who are suffering so grievously, the Palestinian people who are suffering so grievously in Gaza, and also, of course, to get the release of some of the hostages that Hamas took on October the 7th from the people in that kibbutz that they, where they slaughtered so many and kidnapped so many. Biden's Troubles, you've warned us before and and signaled the importance of Michigan Mm -hmm. because there are around 200,000 Arab Americans there. There was a little contest there during this week Mm. where Biden was always going to win. But one of the local politicians urged people to put uncommitted on their voting form rather than vote for Biden. It was was a primary, actually. Mm -hmm. There was one other no hope or contesting it. And a lot of people did put uncommitted, signaling that they were unhappy with Joe Biden because of his enthusiastic and continuing support for Netanyahu and the Israelis. Yes, and this was a big result for Democrats who are opposed to that policy and who recoil from it. In the Michigan primary, around about 100,000, 101,000 actually as it stands right now, people voted uncommitted rather than for President Biden, sitting president of the party they support. 100,000 votes in Michigan in a primary is very important. It was about 13% of all the people who voted. That is important in itself because it is a data point that provides concrete proof of that discontent. But it is also important because of how competitive Michigan is. In uh, 2020, Biden won Michigan by about 150,000 votes in the general election. In 2016, 
Donald Trump took Michigan by 11,000 votes. So with those kind of figures, you can very easily see why Biden's vigorous support of Israel could doom him to defeat in Michigan. Michigan, in turn, as you and I have mentioned before, Eamon, is about one of six or seven states that are truly competitive in the presidential election. Therefore, if it were to be uh, off the table for Biden, that would be a big problem. And in polls at the moment, Trump is up by about four points on average in that state. Now, where does this leave? I mean, I think you've told us before, and certainly I've read somewhere, that were Biden to lose Michigan, which is what you guys call a swing state, Mm -hmm. he'd be doomed. Is that correct? Because it looks like, Mm -hmm. given the numbers you just mentioned Mm -hmm. and the narrowness of the victory in Michigan in 2020, Mm. he's in big trouble, isn't he? Well, he is. Now, it wouldn't be the the ball game if he lost Michigan, but it would make his road to back to the White House quite a lot steeper. To make a long story short, there were six or seven, as I mentioned, of these battleground states. If he lost Michigan, it is also assumed he would probably lose Georgia. Then you're down to uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, uh, and, and a couple of others where Biden would not be favored. If he loses Michigan, which he might, and loses Georgia, as is now broadly expected, he would really need to sweep the board of the remaining battleground states. Yes. That's a steep enough climb. Um, Places like Pennsylvania uh, or Wisconsin, well, Wisconsin, he might have a slightly better chance. I wouldn't like to be in Biden's shoes if he lost Michigan, put it that way. Right. And in general, what one sees of him is, and I, I really like you to put me right if I'm wrong here. Mm. He does, to my eye, appear more feeble than a year ago or two years ago, certainly than he did four years ago. Mm. I can remember him doing that little jog Mm -hmm. he did. I haven't seen him jog for a while, Mm. you know, while I'm talking about. Mm. Is it only me? No, it certainly isn't. In fact, in polling, um, it's not only you and it's certainly not even only Republicans or only people ideologically opposed to Biden. Polling would indicate that around about 75% of Americans have doubts about Biden's capacity to serve a second term effectively. That is a huge, huge problem. Uh, It's one that is by its nature difficult to counteract. I, I should also just from a news perspective, I'll bring you up to date on that, Eamon, in that on Wednesday, the president uh, underwent his annual physical exam that, that is conducted at a military-based hospital in the D.C. area, Walter Reed. That medical notably did not include a cognitive assessment, right. which, of course, then gets the White House off the hook of having to release any cognitive assessment. Yes. And uh, they are making the argument that his mere uh, uh, provable, as the White House sees it, capacity to do the job is a cognitive test in and of itself. That seems to me, frankly, a rather thin read to hang your case on when concerns about Biden's age and uh, cognitive abilities are as widespread as they are. 
During the course of this conversation, and others we've had, and I'm watching what we get here in terms of the presidential race very keenly because, mm. like many people, I think a Trump victory, particularly in the light of the comments he made about Vladimir Putin a couple of weeks ago, which effectively signaled that he would not support NATO. He didn't give a damn about NATO and Europe indeed, but it, it did ring alarm bells in the minds of people in Europe and members of NATO. We're in trouble, aren't we? If, if, if this ship sails on in the direction that we see it. In other words, Trump gets the White House back mm. and he decides to throw Ukraine to the wolves to announce that NATO effectively no longer functions with American support, where are we then? Well, you're in a very different situation to the one that has pertained for decades now. Uh, Ukraine would clearly be in catastrophic trouble if Trump got elected. In fact, there are numerous people around the administration, Biden administration that is, warning at the moment that the situation in Ukraine is already dire and Ukrainian forces are already having to make quite difficult decisions about how to uh, ration their remaining munitions. Uh, and on top of that, I mean, as you point out, Trump is generally uh, intolerant of NATO or indeed multilateral alliances generally. He doesn't care for those. He seems to regard them as uh, a sort of occasion of freeloading for yes. other countries in Europe. And this is, uh, of course, all wrapped up in the particular brand of um, populist nationalism that he traffics in. America first, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, the comments that you refer to, where he basically said that if uh, certain countries in, in NATO didn't pay their dues, Russia could do whatever they liked. I mean, that isn't how NATO works. There is certainly a legitimate issue about people paying the full amount, but it is not the case that if you are uh, a nation that is below that level, that the United States would just uh, relinquish any obligation to help you if Russia invaded. Like, that is not, that's not the, a foundational principle of NATO. So uh, it would clearly uh, change a lot in Europe, uh, especially, but not only in Eastern Europe, and would also, and you and I, I think, have mentioned this previously, change the whole foundation of the United States for all its admitted flaws, as the yes. you know leader of the free world. I mean, it, yes. would, it would almost voluntarily relinquish that position, I think, if Trump got back in. So, big stakes in November. No doubt about it. Very big stakes. Okay, Niall. As always, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and we are very grateful to you. All our listeners are. Thanks to Niall. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.